everyone, Kieran Howells here again with another HR Grapevine podcast, but this week I have a little bit of a treat for you. Our features editor, Serena Hathatua, has done an amazing interview with Mr. Bernard Marr, and that's what we're going to be listening to today. For those of you who don't know, Bernard Marr is an internationally best-selling business author, a keynote speaker, a strategist for companies and governments, and he is also extremely clued in on the future of trends and business skills, artificial intelligence, and all of this amazing, quite complex stuff that we probably need to get ahead of. So without further ado, I'm going to pass over to Serena for her interview with Bernard. Hello, everyone. I'm Serena, and you're listening to the HR Grapevine podcast from hrgrapevine.com. In this very special episode, we are speaking to futurist, technology expert, and business influencer, Bernard Ma. Named by LinkedIn as one of the top five business influencers in the world, Bernard is a thought leader in the fields of business and technology, with a passion for using tech for the good of humanity. In this conversation, we will be touching on how AI is impacting HR, what the future of work looks like, and how HR professionals can utilize data to improve their business. Welcome, Bernard. It's really great to have you with us today. Thank you so much, Serena, and it's my my real pleasure to be with you. So it seems as though AI and chat GPT is all anyone can speak about right now. And something that we always thought would happen, which is AI replacing the jobs of people, we are really starting to see that within the working world and that, that come into play. Um, so why are we seeing AI replace jobs in HR in particular? I, I, what we're seeing at the moment is that AI is coming to a stage where it is really mature, where we've had AI now for the last 50 years, and I've been writing about this for, for many years. I've written many books on AI, and suddenly we have applications like ChatGPT that allows anyone to put a prompt in and then generate text. and and this is now freely available to anyone. And suddenly people realize, okay, this is actually real because we now have the computing power, we have the cloud infrastructure, we have the networking, we have all the data to enable us to use AI. But this is only the tip of the iceberg. So what we are seeing at the moment is that generative AIs like text generation tools are starting to emerge, but also we will see so much more. We will see tools that can generate video content. They can generate images and design things for us. So this is only the very beginning. And uh, you're absolutely right. What we're seeing is that there will be some displacement of jobs. We are seeing especially jobs where people perform routine tasks that don't really involve a lot of the, the really human skills that we need. So I'm thinking about um, things like driving a car. This is a skill that we will be able to outsource to machines and intelligent AIs in the future. 
if my job in HR is to answer uh, pretty routine questions <laughs> and, and do this all day long, a chatbot can do this very effectively now and probably even better. Um, so what we need to figure out is how do we split our jobs between the tasks that that robots and AIs can do really effectively and those that humans can do effectively. So what I don't see in the future is that we will have millions of people unemployed because of AI. What I'm seeing is that most of our jobs will be augmented and changed by AI. So what I'm seeing at the moment in the HR world is that there are indeed being people are being made redundant and but there are other reasons for this so especially in the tech sector where big companies like amazon and microsoft and and google have had to let a few people go quite a few of them have been in the hr field um what but the reason for this is not only ai to some extent it is because we can automate um, certain functions, we can drive efficiencies, we can drive cost savings, we can automate things. But a, a major reason is that the economy is not doing as well as it did. And some of the tech companies recruited a huge amount of people during the pandemic because everything was going really, really well. And now they stopped recruiting, so they're scaling back on HR. So I don't necessarily see that the HR function is one that will see particularly um, a, a particular job displacement uh, driven by, by AI. But what we will see, and we'll see this across most job functions, is that we will see an augmentation of of their work and and in my hope what would I, I hope will happen is that this will actually make our jobs better for us because if we think as humans we have these amazing capabilities and um, if we can outsource some of the more mundane some of the basic things that we literally waste our human talents on um, and give them to the machine it frees us up to do the creative, the emotional, the interpersonal, all the really exciting things that, that humans do best. So that's my hope. You mentioned that the fact that there will be more of a stress on those interpersonal skills and those human-centric skills. And really in the past 15 to 20 years, we've really seen within HR, it move from being very admin focused to now more people focused and you get well-being and people management and it is a lot more focused on the people side. So do you think that in order to stay relevant, HR professionals will be tasked with going even heavier on those people skills and that people management as opposed to the more admin side of the job? Yes, and uh, absolutely. So, and and this is not only relevant to HR professionals and their own skills and the, and the things they need to focus on, but also what the business needs to focus on. So they're very very similar. Um, what we've seen over the last few years is that HR teams are moving towards a more data driven HR function. They have realised that data is a hugely important. Um, business asset for them. They moved into HR analytics. Um, so those skills will become and stay really important. So 
analytic data literacy, being able to turn data into insights is important. Skills around understanding the major technology trends, for example, and being able to understand the implications of HR, of, of AI, of the metaverse technologies like virtual and augmented reality, blockchain technology. All of these technologies that are potentially transformative what HR professionals need to do is they need to understand not only how they can leverage some of these technologies for their own department and their own function, but also how this will change the business and how they can then help the business to prepare for this. How can they then make sure the people in the business have the right skills, that we create those job roles with those truly human skills that people can succeed in. And... Um, I get this question asked a lot. Okay, what 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 skills will we need in the future? And um, pretty much after every keynote I give somewhere um, on future trends and technology trends, people say, okay, what does it now mean for humans? And as a father of three children, I started to think about this very carefully, thinking, okay, what skills will we need in the future? What skills will my kids need in the future? And I have actually written a book called Future Skills, which looks at the 20 skills that we will need in the future. And I talk about the the tech literacy, so understanding the digital trends. I talk about data literacy. I talk about um, things like understanding digital threats, um, but beyond this, they are all skills, all the, the other remaining 16 skills I talk about are soft skills. They are um, our ability to critically assess information, so critical thinking, complex decision-making and judgment, emotional intelligence and empathy, creativity, working with others collaboratively and having interpersonal communication skills, having this curiosity inside us and this drive for continuous learning. These are all skills that will become hugely important in the future and they will be hugely important for HR departments and they will be the 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 skills that future HR services will be built on and that future businesses will be built on. It's really interesting to hear you speak about that augmentation where roles will then need to be structured so that they they enhance the technology within different companies but do you think that that augmentation and within the workplace the ability to adapt to AI is happening at a fast enough pace because I think there is a certain level of fear that we don't really know what we're dealing with to an extent I think probably the regular worker has this idea that things are moving very quickly and perhaps as a society we don't have a grip or control over what's going to happen. What do you think? Yeah, so what we're seeing at the moment is that the pace of the pace at which these technologies are developing is accelerating. And and I am lucky enough to look behind some of the, the I work with some of the, the biggest tech companies on the planet very closely and I see what is on the horizon and many of these things scare even me where I think okay, what what will this mean for the future of, of humanity and where will it leave us because machines are now able to 
to be creative and create their own content and and so this is interesting and i i think we we don't have all the the answers yet and we don't know how this will all play out what we do know however is that we need to adjust and adapt to all of this really urgently and i always tell organizations that I work with that if you are currently not seeing yourself as an AI organization, and this applies to HR functions and entire businesses, then you will simply lose relevance in a few years time. So we need to be full in on AI, we need to be full in on data. Um, that is hugely important. What we're seeing is that this adjustment is happening really unevenly at the moment. So there are some companies and some individuals that have been able to embrace AI and they're leveraging it every single day and they're becoming better at their job and organizations are, are creating new services and new products that are amazing and they are able to automate some of their business functions. Many others are not. They're not even thinking about it. I still, I'm still surprised that I walk into boardrooms and senior leadership team meetings where people don't understand the importance of AI. Um, but what we are also seeing is that AI is accelerating other trends like the metaverse, um, like blockchain technology, like digital twin technology, all of these other things that, that are on the horizon that have been big buzzwords. Um, the metaverse, for example, will be hugely relevant to HR. And, and so the metaverse is basically, it, I, I don't particularly like the term, so I much rather talk about the next evolution of the internet which has two components to it. One is that the front end will become more immersive. So the way we interact with the digital world will become more immersive and we'll see a merging of the digital and the real world through technologies like virtual and augmented reality. And, and so this starts from us being able to um, Google some things if we google dinosaurs now you now have the option of putting them as 3d objects into your room using your phone and then you can see the moving dinosaur that makes noises to scale in your room and you can walk around and see it and this is obviously better than looking at a picture of a dinosaur it gives, gives you much more of a feel to it of, of what this actually looks like but in the future we'll have more digital universes, we have worlds, um, instead of doing this as a as a flat video call, we could meet up in a 3D world somewhere. And, and again, what we now have is these generative AI capabilities. So people say, okay, how, how will I create my own metaverse, my own storefront, my own home, my, my own avatar, and in the future, and we're seeing the early stages of this at the moment is we will have generative AI, a bit like what we do with ChatGPT, when we say, please write me an article on this topic. It will be able to, you, you tell the AI to create you a house in the metaverse and create you an avatar that looks like you with those features, it will be able to do that. So AI is accelerating many of the other technology trends that we're seeing. So what this means in practice is that we will, be living in a world where this digital transformation will only accelerate 
at the moment, we've seen pretty unprecedented digital developments in terms of technology from AI, from big data to AI to others. Now we are seeing so many other aspects where we can um, digitally edit the, the, the world we live in. So I, I work with a number of Formula One teams, for example, and when they design a Formula One car, 90% of the development of the car now takes place in the digital world where they design the car digitally, they test drive the car on a digital racetrack, they will put it through a digital wind tunnel. And only at the very end, they are then generating the real car, very often using 3D printing technology. And taking this a step further, we can digitally edit even humans. Um, we now have this ability to manipulate our genes using CRISPR-Cas9 technology. Um, Hopefully, this will enable us to to eradicate diseases, cancer, hereditary diseases like motor neuron diseases, and a lot of and again AI can help with all of this because AI will is is enabling us now to analyze lots of data to find gene markers for certain diseases, and we then can use technology like CRISPR-Cas9 to to take those faulty genes out of our system and hopefully cure many diseases. But then beyond this, <laughs> there, where are the limits to all of this? This is where we are entering the real ethical questions if we can now almost design the perfect human being on a computer and then create this in the real world. That is potentially a challenge. Yeah, that's, um, that's an incredibly interesting thought. And especially considering and thinking about the way it is and isn't being accepted by different businesses and just people in general. Um, the idea of, of technology becoming that prevalent in all of our lives um, and impacting all of our lives, whether whether we like it or not, essentially. Um, and it's, it's, it is already happening. So many services we use today the most successful services we use today are all enabled by AI. So if you pick up your phone, your phone is full of AI. The apps we're using are controlled by AI. The recommendations we get on Netflix are enabled by AI. If you ask your, your Alexa question, that is enabled by AI. So we are surrounded by it already. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, and per perhaps, and potentially that that those forms of AI seem a lot more subtle than than the ones that are going to, I guess, replace jobs, you know, or, um, you know, become more prominent in businesses and impact people's working lives. But um, in terms of of people embracing technology and embracing AI and the metaverse and all of these things, do you think that there could be a widening in the gap between inequality, for example, because some people will be more well-equipped to be able to utilize and embrace some of these technologies more than other people? It has the potential. It has the potential to widen the gaps and and we're seeing this globally where some countries are far more advanced if we look at the the western world if we look at the us if we look at china those countries have completely embraced 
AI and have created an AI strategy and are, are, are trying to build the capabilities and they're trying to um, foster organizations that leverage AI. There are many other countries that, that haven't done this at all yet. And and starting from a country level, we see the same on a on a business level, on an individual level. So the the worst thing anyone can do is simply put their head, head in the sand and say, okay, this is all going to go away. <laughs> it is not going to go away. AI will become, and it already is the most important, the most powerful technology humans have ever had access to, and it will carry on becoming this this huge part of all of our lives. So it's really important that we realize this. On the other hand, I think AI and some of the other related technologies we talked about here today, they can actually decrease some of the um, problems we have with inequality. Because if we think about um, using some of these tools small startups individuals can now use this so for example if you are a a person i was having a conversation with a company yesterday and they are using ai to help people write in different languages so if you are a researcher researching in Bulgaria doing some really exciting stuff, but your first language is in English, and you try to get your your, your research published in an in, in an English speaking journal. AI can now help you write really amazing articles about your research, and it can make sure that the, the English is perfect. So, and it can help people that are not able to write write text, and it can help people that are maybe not don't feel as creative create amazing content and if you then think about some of the implications around healthcare for example around education at the moment there's huge inequalities in the world in terms of who has access to education and healthcare in the future you might only need a smartphone or smart glasses once we get there and you can do pretty much anything. So if you wanted to learn um, from the brightest minds in the world, having a really immersive hands-on course, you can do that in the future. And so we're seeing this democratization of many of these services, which for me have the potential to actually get rid of inequalities. As long as people have access to the phones, the glasses, the the, the connectivity. So as long as some of the basic infrastructure is in place, they have the potential to take away some of the inequalities we have. That is definitely a, a positive note to take away from the way AI is integrating into our society and equality. But one thing that I've been reading about quite a lot recently is the fact that because AI is now being used in recruitment and essentially humans are feeding lots of information into it and also have some conscious and unconscious bias, this will then become a part of that recruitment process, for example, and also in various other ways, obviously, in the way that AI is being used. But in terms of recruitment, could this entrench inequality into into businesses in any kind of way it could if we don't use it well so for example um 
if we train, so, so Amazon learned this the hard way. So Amazon basically wanted to use AI to help them recruit new candidates and, and new employees. They basically looked at the profiles of successful employees in the past, and then they used this data to train an AI to figure out how to find similarly uh, successful future candidates. And the problem was that there was a gender bias in the system, that they had more successful male uh, workers in the past, and therefore the AI basically discriminated against females. So this is obviously a challenge. And on the other hand, uh, Unilever has used AI in their recruitment process with the purpose of making it more diverse and actually tackling some of the biases. Because we can say, okay, we are now training an AI on past data, which is has got this biased problem. The biases came from humans in the past, right? So we humans have a lot of biases. And, and very often we don't understand what biases we have. So we interview a candidate and we don't know, we, we might look at them be differently because of the skull of this, color of their skin or their gender or whatever it might be. And, and technology can actually help with overcoming some of those biases. So what Unilever did is they wanted to recruit people for their high potential leadership program. And they identified some of the key skills they wanted. So instead of simply submitting a CV and an AI reading the CV looking for keywords, which is pretty <laughs> problematic, they said, let's look at look at the actual skills. And they then derived methods to assessing some of those skills. So one of the skills was their risk appetite. So they wanted people in this leadership program that had a good, a balanced risk appetite, that they're able to take some risks, but but measured risks. And so they, they derived this online game where you blow up this virtual balloon and and they see how, how far are you do you dare to go, which then measures your risk appetite quite nicely. They also use an AI to perform an actual interview. So that and the the AI will then read into your emotions, it will look at your your body language, your tone of voice, and other things that normal recruiters would look for. And based on all of this information, it then narrows down the candidate. And what they found is that this actually gave them a much more diverse pool of employees. So, and, and I, I think the other opportunities, uh, the other opportunity we have with AI is that we can actually if we are able to create more transparent AI algorithms that enable us to understand how an AI is making decision, decisions, that would be really useful because at the moment, there are lots of human decisions we are making and we can't explain why we're making them. So there's lots of knowledge, lots of actions, lots of decisions we take every day. And if I ask you, why did you make this? You don't actually know. And we have the same problem with AI at the moment, that an AI is basically a, a blank canvas 
uh, of a, an artificial neural network that basically replicates a, a smaller version of what we have in our brain. And our brain then has learned from experience um, and is then making those neural connections. In the same way, we are now feeding these empty digital neural networks with data and the data then learns and makes connections. And if we can make sure that the data is not biased, that the algorithms that come out of them are not biased, and we understand how this algorithm is making decisions, it could actually really help us eradicate lots of the biases that we see in the world. Mm -hmm. It definitely sounds as though there needs to be quite a bit of care uh, around, around the way that we are programming AI and integrating it into businesses at this point in time in particular, because right now is when we are really seeing, um, you know, a surge towards this new way of working and, and this new form of businesses. Um, and a lot of a lot of the stuff that you've been saying has actually been incredibly positive, despite a lot of fear amongst uh people in various businesses uh, and the working world that the unknown is quite scary but from your perspective Bernard do you feel optimistic about the potential for it to benefit human life? Yeah so I, I don't want to come across completely biased and say this is all going to be good there are clearly challenges and I, my pendulum swings from hey this is amazing it will solve so many massive problems we have on the in 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 this world from inequality to climate change to lots of other things to the complete opposite way where you think okay this is going to be really hard we will see lots of people and organizations that will struggle with this they have to we have to completely reinvent what it means to be human in the future so there are clearly challenges and in the in the short term if we think about the impact of of this technology on our jobs and on society there will clearly be losers in all of this what we need to make sure is as a society that we help people transition to this new world of work so if your job is to drive taxis then there is a a real risk we've just seen that that the uk has uh, for the first time approved the Ford self-driving car. It's very limited at the moment. You're allowed to take your your hands off the steering wheel and you're still supposed to, to watch the road. But this technology is developing so fast. So I, I see this every day where trucks and ships and drones are all navigating autonomously. So if we, if, if the technology carries on developing as it is, we will see cars being driven by AI much safer than by humans. And so if this is your job, then you have to seriously think, hey, how, how will this change my job? At the same time, it won't take away all of the jobs. So for example, we already have AI that can make medical diagnoses. And these AIs are now built into machines that are made by Siemens and GE. So they're, they they build X-ray machines and CT scanners, and they now deliver these machines with the AI capabilities to analyze data. 
So just a, a few days ago, I took my my son to A and E because he hurt his, uh, his his hand, and he actually had his he broke his hand and his finger. And the the doctor then showed us the image and said, okay, this is a clear break. We can see this, but the AI is suggesting that the finger is broken as well here. So and what we are now seeing is that the the AIs can interpret scan images more reliably than humans because we have we we don't concentrate 100% of the time we get distracted we have had a long night the night before we have arguments with our partners and also there are some biases in humans so for example we when i took my son to the x-ray they will only look at the break because this is their job has he broken his hand or not but there might be other secondary things that the scan could have picked up maybe his joint is misaligned but they missed this because we're only looking at at the 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 whether the bone is broken or not so if we have a full body ct scan an ai can look at the entire body and look at and identify secondary and tertiary um, diagnoses and so this can only be a good thing and what we have now is we have AIs that are more reliably able to interpret scans. So what does this now mean for the job of a radiologist? Do they just say, okay, this is obviously this is not a good job job choice for me. This would be completely automated. But then realistically, you look at this and say, okay, we have radiologists. They are humans. They have these amazing capabilities. Is it really the best use of their human capabilities to have them sit down eight hours a day to interpret scans or is it better for the machines to interpret the scans highlight all the areas that that they think might that that the doctor needs to look at and they then spend a bit more time on diagnosing on figuring out the treatment plan on the interpersonal communication with the patient uh, on research to further the field of of radiology all the things that most people, when you ask them today, that have a traditional radiologist job would love to do more of, but haven't got the time to do. So for me, that is an example. We still need radiologists, but their job will be augmented. They will work alongside intelligent machines and AIs, which hopefully will enrich their jobs and make them better. At least that's my hope. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, that's very interesting to hear about the the positive use of AI in eradicating bias, especially after we've just spoken about the ways that um, you know it could could make biases worse, I suppose, in in some cases. That that's a really great example of of it getting rid of bias and and things that the human mind usually misses. Um, but I want to touch on something that that you mentioned earlier, which was the way in which future society, in our future society, the value of human life or what we find valuable as humans might shift as a result of changes in technology and changes in society. And obviously you can't predict the future, but how do you imagine that shifting? Is there do you have any ideas about the way that what we find valuable as humans might change in as what work changes? It's very hard to predict, 
what I hope is going to happen is that it will make the interpersonal, the truly human side of our lives more important and more valuable. Because if you ask most people, would you want to spend a bit more time with your family and your kids and your grandparents, or do you want to spend a bit more time working? And most people say, yeah, and what is more valuable? And at the moment, work gets in the way. <laughs> and so what I hope is going to happen is that we'll emphasize, we put more emphasis on the the really human elements, the, the, the interpersonal elements of our lives, and automate enough of the work side to free up some time to do that. Um, if we then look further into the future, there are some real challenges around what we're actually valuing as society and how you potentially earn money, um, which is, I guess, a conversation for another day because it's, it's quite deep. But um, if we're able to automate more of our jobs in our world, which is very likely in the future, you think, hey, how do we then support humans? How do we earn money? Where do we get status from? Because at the moment, we derive a lot of our status from how much money we make, what jobs we have. Hopefully, this will transition in the future to a world where we get measured on the contributions we are making to the world of humans and the, the, the world as a whole. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that's a really nice positive note to, to finish on um, and does make me feel optimistic about the way that, that AI can be in integrated positively into our society. Um, and before we say goodbye, I do want to touch on uh, your work. Around, so we've mentioned a couple of aspects of technology and the way that it's impacting the world of work, but you have written a book called Data Driven HR, where you talk about how HR professionals can leverage data to drive performance in their organization. And for any of the HR directors who are listening right now, who feel as though data isn't a big part of their job or ne isn't necessarily relevant to them, why is it important in your mind? Yeah, hopefully this has come become clear throughout this conversation that data is basically the foundation of modern businesses. Um, one of my clients is Shell, and I have helped Shell to develop their, their data strategy, and they have actually declared this year as the year of data in Shell. And what their executive team is now saying that actually for the future of Shell as an energy company, data is more important than oil. And for a company that has built its entire wealth on oil and is now needing to obviously transition to a new energy model, for them to say that data is now hugely important is interesting. And for for every business, for every function, data is becoming hugely important. So for HR, it helps us make better decisions. So if we have data, we can understand um, which 
of our employees are more likely to churn. We can understand performance levels. We can um, make predictions. So we are moving now from, and again, this is where AI comes in. We can now use AI to help us analyze our data, interpret our data, and move from this pull concept where I had to go into a dashboard saying this is what this is my question I now have to figure out what data to look at and how to analyze it how to visualize it to a push concept where the AI will look at all your HR data and say it looks that look there's some interesting patterns here it looks like this group of people is more likely to churn than others and 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 so we're seeing AI enabled analytics so decision making and also one of the most important functions of 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 an HR department is to enable business leaders to make decisions about um, the people in their organization. So again, analytics helps and data helps the HR department to facilitate decision making in the business. So give business leaders information on on people performance, on satisfaction levels, on engagement, on skills gaps, on culture, all of these really important aspects of, of business. And then when it comes to the HR function itself, I think there are important roles that data plays to improve the services, be it onboarding, performance management, um, compliance, all of these things that HR functions do, and to augment and automate aspects of this. The key is that we do this strategically. So we don't want to collect HR data for the sake of it, because most HR data is quite sensitive and personal, and this data is also very attractive to hackers. <laughs> so we need to make sure we really figure out what are the key challenges? How can we provide a better service to the business in terms of facilitating decision making? How do we provide the best HR services to our employees? Um, and how do we then, and potential candidates, and how do we then augment and automate some of the, the processes and some of the services we offer in order to, to make them better and more efficient and more value adding? And data is the foundation for all of this. Without data, we couldn't automate any of this. We couldn't use intelligent chatbots. We couldn't run automated interviews and so on. So data is one, if not the most important business asset in HR and beyond. From everything that you've said today, it seems like it's really important for HR professionals, but also employees from all different industries to try and embrace technology as much as possible. But um, just to see us out of this conversation, do you have any final words, Bernard, for from anything that was spoken about today for our audience? Yeah, actually, the, the point you're just making is that, yes, a technology is hugely important, but don't use technology as much as you can because use it for the right reasons. I think this, that's my number one advice. Um, what I'm seeing is that you have this FOMO, this fear of missing out where organizations jump into technology without really understanding how it helps them to improve some of the biggest challenges. So if you are an HR leader, 
step back and say, okay, what are my biggest HR functions? Where do I have the biggest opportunity to improve? How do I provide better service services to the business? How do I provide better services to employees? How can I make this more efficient? Where are the, the biggest opportunities? Where do I spend most of my money, most of my time? And then think about technology and think about technology in the broadest sense. Saying, okay, this, these are all the technologies I've got available. How could they potentially help me? And how will they transform the HR function of the future? How will they transform our business model and our business in the future? And how can I then use this technology to augment and automate and make and add value to my business? And Instead of trying to do it all, trying to do it systematically. So if you have identified your biggest challenges, tackle one of those challenges and maybe one or two quick wins. So you have not only this big strategic project, but also one or two quick projects that you that don't require a massive budget where you can get your hands dirty and you say, actually, let's try to integrate and GPT-4 chatbot into our onboarding process and see how it goes. And so you start to develop some of those skills, you learn by doing. And I think that is the way forward. This is the way organizations should be approaching technology. Yeah, that's really good advice to, to finish our conversation on. Thank you so much, Bernard. There definitely is a bit of a, of a mental thing at the moment where everyone's wanting to jump on it, but not entirely sure how. That's, that's really constructive advice. Thanks, Bernard.